Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So, this week on the podcast, we have Neve O'Donoghue. Neve is a journalist, a content creator, she's a campaigner, she's a really, really wonderful person. I think you're going to love this episode. It's by far, in a way, I think the most inspirational episode that we've had. Uh, Neve's journey, her story, her outlook is kind of incredible. I'm not going to preempt it too much because I don't want to build up expectations, but even if I did, I'm pretty sure this episode would quash them. Uh, guys, other than that, in other news, uh, I'm finishing up in King Lear this week. If you're around, come out and see us in the Mill Theatre. We have loads of shows because uh, Storm Ophelia cancelled some, so we're doing a ridiculous amount of shows this week so do come out and say hello after that I'm going to be in the panto for Christmas uh, at the Tivoli Theatre it's um, it's going to be wild it's myself and Mary Byrne and ah, all the lads having the crack it'll be great uh, it's Sleeping Beauty it's at the Tivoli Theatre come and say hello guys other than that get stuck in to Nevo Donahue playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Let's play personality bingo. <laughs> all right. Uh, so um, I'll give you a quick explainer how it all works. It's super simple. So basically, I've given you five numbers there. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to pick a sixth. But before we do that, uh, there are 60 questions in this sheet. There's 60 balls in this machine. And then I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock. Uh, if all six of your numbers manage to come up, that means that like, you win oh, the game, which is has never happened. Uh, but I have complete faith in you. Um, you have kind of green hair, which signifies luck to me. <laughs> Are you a lucky person? Some people just tell me that it looks like I haven't washed in a very long time and that it's like some kind of fungus. But no, I it's definitely not a fungus I do wash. No, you look incredibly um, clean. Thanks. Um, I would consider myself very lucky, so... Whoa! Here we go. That No one's ever said that before. I, I love it. I love it. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask you to do me a favour. Would you read out the five numbers that uh, we've randomly generated for you already? Okay, I have 12, 4, 29, 59 and 31. Cool. Would you mind doing me a favour and picking a sixth number of your own choosing between 1 and 60? Uh, 23. Okay, that was decisive. Uh, scribble that in there for yourself. Why did you pick 23? Uh, I don't know. Work, we're just talking to me about something on the 23rd of a date, so... 23. It's an excellent reason. <laughs> All right, let's just jump right. Oh, and if that happens and you, all your numbers come up, sorry, I didn't tell you, like, the most important thing. I win a prize. That's never happened. You win a prize. Trip to Disneyland. Your prize is completely oh. shit. Oh. Uh, it's to ask me any question in the world I'm that you I'm a journalist. Want. I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to ask you questions. Oh, that's great. We'll have the chats, but, like, you got to save a super special one for okay, the end. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's just <laughs> jump right in. I'm excited. Okay, right. Here we go. Uh, first ball out of the gate is number 11. Do you have it? No. No worries, number no. 11. The question is, do you have a role model? Oh, God, I have so many. First one that popped into my head, Michelle Obama, because she's just fucking deadly. Yeah. Uh, I literally have so many female heroes that I look up to, um, from, like, friends that I hang around with up to, like, superheroes like Michelle Obama. I couldn't possibly name them all, but Michelle came into my head first. Oh, and, like, Hillary Clinton and all those amazing inspirational women and, um, oh, God, so many. Yeah, Michelle Obama is, like, undeniably... Yeah. Brilliant, like yeah. as in because even if you if you like just to, another name you mentioned like even Hillary Clinton like you're gonna have people are gonna be like well hang on a minute and they'll list out some fact about Hillary Clinton that's mm. like a little bit dodge Michelle Obama seems so bulletproof in her brilliance. Oh God, everything everything she says is just so on point. She just gets it. She understands younger culture, older generations. She just totally is so wrapped up in everything that's going on and so much respect to her. And if I could meet somebody. In 2018, it would be like to make it my goal to meet Michelle Obama somehow. Nice, yeah. <laughs> what, like, do you think there's a chance she will be? She's so presidential. She would be a yeah. wonderful president. Oh my god, I'm voting for her, no matter what she's running for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, I think she could go for 2020. That would be the dream. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think she has like because she's a young woman, really. Is she in her like early 40s, maybe? Yeah. Like she's got so much time. She would be an amazing president. Yeah, but I remember um, after uh, Trump was inaugurated and everybody was already on the 2020 bandwagon, and she was like, mm, I don't know, I don't know if, if I'm ready for that kind of thing. But like outside of uh, politics, she just does so many amazing things for young girls and women, um, from education to um, protection from. Um, trafficking so much I have so mm. much respect for 
And yeah. also, just her Instagram game is on fire, so. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, these are the important things. They I mean, are, yeah, they're important. Especially in this day and age. It's like, your social media is important as a president <laughs> now, apparently. Right, let's go again. Uh, here we go. Number t- 29, Java. I do. Whoa. I do have 29. Oh, All God. All right. Nice. Yeah, Congratulations. All right. Take that off. Uh, that's one out of six. Oh, Very God. good for this early stage. Oh, God. All right. Number 29. The question is, how do you feel about your hometown? Where are you from? Uh, Navan Road. Oh, So, cool. okay. I'm from Navan Road, which sits in between Castlenock and Cabra. Yeah. So, when I was going to school, I had the, the, the girls, I'd be like, I'm from Castlenock. And then the other half, they'd be like, oh, I'm from Cabra. And I'm like sake we live in the middle and it's always like if anything bad happens in Navin Road which it has the odd time yeah. it's always Dublin 7 Cabra whereas mm. if something good happens the news always say Castle Knock yeah. Dublin 7 yeah so I'm I'm in the I'm happy where I'm from I don't like to class or like gentrify it or anything like that uh, I, I really love my area so much um, I was really lucky to grow up in a huge community where a huge community like yeah. so many houses in that dense just, area just so but the people and I think we're one of the um, similar to Cabra in a sense that the, there's a lot of older generations and they're very communal and very caring and I grew up with like we've we've the the GAA club like huge Oliver Plunkett's and um, we have the swimming pools we had like so many things around us growing up and I feel like really lucky that I had uh, all of that around me and the fact that I live right beside the Phoenix Park which is like savage crack all the time mm. hands in the park whenever the sun comes out <laughs> um, but I absolutely love my area like um, all the people that I grew up with um, yeah it was just there was just a lot of us yeah uh, <laughs> but it meant that um, I know you were, you were never really on your own um, and if anything happens, it's it happens to the entire community, and like we always get behind things, and um, especially like if anything bad happens, like family death or whatever, you really see it then when all ten thousand of your neighbors are coming in with sambos and soup, mm. and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that's like, do you still live in that area? Or yeah, I'm still I'm still at home with my parents. Yeah, um, paying off student loans still <coughs> and also because I live so close to the city centre I cannot afford to pay 800 euros because that's what the rent is in my area it's between like six 650 onwards um, and I'm, I'm actually blessed that I literally live 15 minutes from the city centre I so would be mad yeah exactly and I'm the last I'm the, the baby of four kids so um, I'm eager obviously to fly the nest but um, my parents aren't pushing me out they have the room in the house now, so um, once like obviously everybody pays their way, but I just couldn't, couldn't like obviously I'd love to live in like Stony Batter or somewhere like that now, but that's literally ten minutes from my house. Yeah. So what's the point in paying an extra grand almost? Yeah, what was it like being the youngest child? How did you did you enjoy it? I have many scars to prove that I am the youngest child. I'm the youngest of uh, three three brothers, so uh, it was fun. Uh, I mean, I got tortured, literally tortured. So there's a big age gap between me and my oldest brother. There's like nearly a 20 year age gap. And then it goes to like a 15 year age gap. And then me and Kieran, there's seven years between us. So I've been living with him the longest, obviously. Um, and God, he they used to just badger me. Like they'd, they'd practice their WWE wrestling skills on me. Yeah. Chokehold on the bed every Saturday morning. Stunning. <laughs> yeah, you were like having like a, a, a life-sized action man. Literally. With green hair. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Like I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine not having them around, but equally I'd love to get them back someday. Like the, the best or the worst one that they've done to me was my brother Kieran was babysitting me one night. Parents were down the local, nothing new. He decided to tie my hands behind my back, blindfold me and make me walk up the stairs backwards. Wow. Yep. And... When I got to the top of the stairs, was like a really sharp um, laundry basket. First, ma'am, why was the laundry basket sharp in the first place? Why did it have like like sharp edges? But my chin went straight onto it and sliced, sliced my face. And obviously, like, he got in so much trouble. But it was just, like, traumatizing. Still not over that, Kieran. Thanks very much. Oh, my God. And then he put chewing gum in my hair. I used to be called Rapunzel because I had, like, really ridiculously long hair. Mm. And, yeah, he put chewing gum into it and I had to, like, chop it all off. And, oh, they locked me under the stairs. Like, oh, my God, honestly. You're, yeah, you're like a modern-day Disney movie. <laughs> you are, you're like, that's like, it's like the Cinderella story kind of thing. I love them, but I, I do hate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, excellent. Right, let's give it a row. 
Uh, okay, one came out. Uh, number four. I have number four. Holy oh fuck. God, oh, shit, lads. Honestly. Someone ring the fire alarm. <laughs> All right, okay. Number four question is, uh, what would seven-year-old you think of you right now? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> this is really terrible. The first thing that jumped into my head is skinnier. <laughs> really? I was really, I was on a lot of medication as a kid because I had really bad asthma. So like mm. I was on steroids a lot of my younger life. So I was blown out like a balloon a lot. And of course I used to get bullied a lot for it as well. Like it wasn't my fault. Um, oh but no. I, huh? Like we, like as in like because they thought you were just like fat and oh, they were yeah, mean fat, children. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh God. Or she's just big boned. Oh no! And I was like, no, mom, it's just fat. Um, but uh, that that was definitely uh, tough being being on steroids at such a young age. Um, but also, <clears throat> I would say, seven year old me would say to me, don't be disappointed that you're not a doctor or a vet, because you will help people at some in some way at some stage, which I firmly believe I will. Um, but I was really keen on becoming the next. Uh, Ralph Harris before he sexually abused kids um, <clears throat> or a doctor really wanted to work in the medical field and worked really really hard in secondary but I just didn't get the points in the end I was really sick going through my leaving cert and it just didn't happen that way but I fully believe in the power of the universe and what's meant for you it doesn't pass you by and um, I know it's like super cliche but Things do happen for some weird reason, and I'm slowly figuring it out why. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of cool, though, like, that you're just willing to, like, roll with the punches and make sense with it as it makes sense to you. Not always. Like, I mean, I have panic moments. Like, even on the bus in here, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't finish that piece of work today. And, mm. uh, you know, you have that shit crack moment. But it, the world is not going to fall apart if I take the wrong turn or if I decide that I don't want to do something on a certain day. And um, it's all about kind of listening to yourself and the environment around you and saying just making right decisions I guess mm -hmm. um which doesn't doesn't like everybody makes wrong decisions but it's how you it's how you tackle a situation I mean you could have the most negative horrible situation in the world happening to you but it's how you take that on board as a person and how you allow that to manifest the rest of your life is important I think yeah 100% like it was really interesting to me when you were um, like yeah like so for people who don't know we'll say in the intro and everything but the, you're a journalist among other things but um, and then you you know talked about how that was a difficult thing <clears throat> like for a moment to, to kind of comprehend that like oh I'm not going to help people in the way I imagined I would which mm -hmm. like was a vet or a doctor mm -hmm. what way going forward do you envisage that you will help people because first of all sorry I'm sure that your journalism does whether it's d depending on what you know you're doing sometimes it's going to be informative like I know sure. other stuff you do is probably more lighthearted, which is equally helping people how do you see that going forward um <clears throat> I so I, I guess in my day job I, I write for image magazine um, which is amazing to say that I like I, I worked really hard to get my degree in journalism and I actually landed in a print job which is far and few in between um, so that's great you're right a lot of what I do is quite lighthearted but outside of that like my my personal passions would be um, you know I really believe in like every other woman in helping to repeal the eighth and um, big advocate of um, changing drug policy um, and getting the supervised injection clinics going in Dublin. Um, and I try and use my skills um, and my platforms to talk about topics that really matter, that will bring actual change to millions of people's lives. I think that's really important that um, those types of actions are spoken about and we have open and public debate about it. Um, so I hope <clears throat> um, maybe maybe I'll end up doing something more with, with those groups that are helping those people. Um, I'm also a huge advocate of body positivity. Um, after like my own trouble with my own body, um, I tend to like speak a lot about uh, what I've gone through, mm. um, what I'm still going through, and I think uh, it helps put a better perspective on like other people's issues and maybe let them know that there is light at the end of a very dark tunnel. Sure. When you when you mentioned that you were sick during your leaving cert, is that what you were mm. referring to? Yeah, I was I was diagnosed with um scoliosis when I was thirteen, when I was just going into secondary school. So um scoliosis is curvature of the spine. Mm. Um so uh, I went to bed one night perfectly normal and I, w I woke up and my uh, spine had twisted over to the other side of my body. 
So I woke up, I was getting into the shower. Um, I was like nitpicking at my body because I'm, as you can see, I'm like, I'm a petite uh, woman now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, come on, like, come on, boobs. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you know, I I'm sure you had the same. I wish um, I had boobs. And I noticed that my shoulder was like all over the place. My hip was like completely elevated. I had this big hump on my back and it was kind of like really gaunt looking. And I said it to my mom and my mom is an SNA and has worked in a school for 25 years. So she had seen this before and she knows not to panic. But it was a Saturday morning and there was no doctors and she didn't want to bring me to the hospital because I, I wasn't in pain. I didn't need to go, but she knew straight away what it was. And I remember her placing me on her bed on my stomach and like um, tracing her finger along my spine and I remember first thing Monday morning going to Temple Street and my whole world just flipped from there. I remember doctors talking about surgery and casts and screws and rods and like I was 13. I was just delighted to be out of school on a Monday. Mm. And I remember they brought me, my parents brought me for like an evening meal, almost like it was, but the mood was like really like low. Like I, I knew what was going on, but I didn't really know the severity of it. But it's due to have routine surgery to fix my my curve where they'd put two titanium rods on each side of your spine. Um, and it is routine. It's like the, the best practice for scoliosis. But when they put in my uh, second rod, they hit my spinal cord and paralyzed me. And then I lost every ounce of blood out of my body. And I was, I was basically I was, I was basically gone. Like they, they called my family and um, I think they like called a priest and everything at that stage. And like literally by some kind of miracle, like I'm I'm not religious, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. By some miracle, the paralysis was reversed and they were able to transfer me to um to a better hospital, better equipped to deal with the severity of the case. And so that that was an eye opening experience. Like I remember waking up from that. I v- vividly remember waking up and I had two tubes in my nose, two tubes down into my stomach to pump the blood out five needles in each hand and fe- this feeling of like like almost like I was watching over my own body like it was the most unusual experience and it happened so long ago now well 11 years ago now yeah. and um, after that like literally nothing has been the same since you, after these operations you have to learn how to walk again how to go to the toilet again how to wash yourself again you literally it's like starting from scratch yeah. you're totally dependent on other people um, and as a 13-year-old girl, you know, going through puberty, watching all of her friends grow, that was a really, like, difficult thing to, to deal with. Um, but I got over it, and I was really focused, like I said, wanted to become a doctor still. Uh, I was in the right environment for it anyway. <laughs> um, so then I got over that hump. Then I was on a trampoline when I was in transition year, came down too heavy on my knees, and my rod snapped. Uh, but we didn't know, didn't feel any pain, didn't know about it until I was going back to school in the September. And my mom put, I was putting on my uniform. She goes, Neve, your shoulder is sloping again. Like, what's wrong? So lo and behold, we went back to the hospital and I needed to have a second um, correction surgery to fix the broken rod. Went in, did that, did the whole learning to walk again, um, learning to do all that shit again. So each each time you have one of these surgeries, it's you're looking at a year recovery time. Jesus so Christ. So no contact sports, no running, no nothing, no going to the discos, there was no spin, there was no Wes, there was no barcode. Oh God! Did you have boobs at this stage? I, they were still waiting for them. Oh, fuck! Sake. Right. Uh, but they, it gets better because I was put into a plaster Paris body cast. So you know when you break a leg yeah. and you're put into like a cast. I had to wear one of them on my body. Neve. Can you imagine? No. I was like, I, you know, like all my friends were literally going to like barcode on the weekend, and I was wearing this fucking plaster Paris body cast. Like, oh, it was awful. That was that was a really shit time. They were plastered, <laughs> and you were. Plastered. I was literally <laughs> plastered while they were plastered as well. Um, and then I oh, was so itchy, like the heat, like, oh, so bad. But anyway, look, we got over that again. Um, but then I was um, I was having a really hard time with like dealing with pain. Like I, I can't begin to describe the sensation of having a body part twisted. Um, or sometimes people are like, oh, what's it like to have rods in your spine? I'm like, okay, you get like a... Uh, like a sweeping brush or something and tie it onto your body for a day and try and do regular things try and run with that or try and pick up a fork that you've dropped on the floor try and tie your shoes or get in and out of the bath and then multiply that by a million and that's what it's like having rods in your spine 
it's it is it's it's really tough um but the pain was worse because it wasn't only physical pain it was it was mental pain as well mm. and then um like when you're in school and you're studying and you're like hunched over and all of this affects your um like your physical well-being as well as your like bloody psyche mm. but anyway um i was on by the time i was 17 18 i was on codeine diphene um morphine patches epidurals just for pain relief wow. um the epidurals were absolutely horrendous because i used to have to get them injected into my spine every few weeks and it was a day out of school they're really expensive um just just all of that shite um, so when I was 18, my parents were like, okay, you're an adult, go and do your own thing, go do what's best for you. We've put you through these operations, now the rest is up to you. So I met my, with my surgeon and I was like, listen, I can't take this pain, I just want to get on in my life and do everything else. Um, so he decided to try one more operation, um, which would fuse my spine to my uh, hips so that I would be like one big solid mass of bone essentially. And I was like, oh cool, deadly, this sounds great fun, not. Um, and he was like, yeah, you'll probably never run again. You'll probably never do contact sports again. Uh, you might not be able to ever have kids. And meanwhile, like I'm only like, I think I was just gone 18. It's like, oh, this is kind of shite. But I had to, it was either this or stay on codeine and diphene for the rest of my life. And that shit fucks you up it really messes with your body and your head and trying to wean yourself off of it is literally is a drug. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yes, let's do it. So I am fused now from the base of my neck down into my pelvis, um, which thank thankfully it has stopped the the pain that I was in. Um, and of course I've had to completely readjust my life because I can't bend. I would give you a demonstration, but you probably don't need one. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I can, I can bend my neck um, left, right, backwards, forwards, but I can't bend backwards at all. I'm I'm training myself to bend again, um, and I've I've nearly nearly touched my toes, which is a huge achievement considering I was supposed to never bend. Yeah, um, I can't touch my toes. Oh my god, now I feel deadly. Yeah, man, I'll give you a demonstration. <laughs> we'll compare, and like you're amazing. I'm just like stupid <laughs> like. oh definitely not um but that yeah we got over that hump went into college started kicking ass started meeting the most amazing incredible people of my life um and got into really got into journalism and the whole blogging thing and photography and videography and like just it was like I was letting out all this like energy creative energy that had been pent up inside me from all my teenage years of like having to miss out on all the cool fun stuff yeah and I was loving it um and then as you can see, I'm quite petite, so uh, unfortunately, my my screws started coming out through my skin, which was not cool. Um, so like when I was sitting down, they'd like crunch against the chair and stuff. So we decided to just nip that in the bud and take them out. So uh, I finished all of my my scoliosisy things in 2015. Thank God, I put it to bed. I never want any of that to happen again or to anybody. Um, it's definitely been an, a huge eye opening experience. Um, on like personal level and also seeing all the children who are currently on the waiting lists at the minute and to let them go through that the honestly the government should be ashamed of themselves i would i wish they could experience even for 12 hours what those kids are going through because it is murder it is horrendous i can't tell you how much having something like like a twisted spine affects every part of your body and because i was on the medication for so long it completely shagged my my kidney, so I I had my last operation there for my spine in 2015 of the the March or May or whatever it was, and then in the August I was diagnosed uh, with um, kidney disease and kidney failure because I was on so much medication. So I had to I came out of something so positive and straight back into another fucking hellhole. So I was like, oh cool, right, we'll we'll get that sorted. And then two weeks later, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer out of nowhere. What? What? Mic drop. Yeah, honestly, 2015 was my year. This is why I'm so lucky. I'm telling you. I, I was going to say, this is... Honestly, isn't... I am the lucky... I have escaped death. I knew none of this. Five or six times now. Um, Actually, seven times I've escaped death. You're the like I luckiest unlucky person. I, uh, no, or the I, most... can, I consider myself very lucky to be here. Uh, genuinely. Um, oh, so yeah, I came out of the of the spine thing and straight into a kidney and and cancer. I was like, I remember coming out of that and I was like, oh, this somebody is taking the fucking piss. 
I remember the day I was diagnosed because um, my mom was with me and it was strange because uh, first I should probably say I found a lump but because I was going through so much at the time with so many different doctors they just bypassed the lump as like a viral infection for eight months for eight months they let this thing grow and I went to three different doctors um, and yeah it was it was a big mess and, and anyway we got it sorted and I had um, a total thyroidectomy so I was opened from from one ear right the way around to the other so it was it was pretty gnarly when it when it happened I don't know if you can um, so it starts oh yeah here. I mean barely um, it's re- it's, it's not it, it has healed incredibly well but when I got it done honestly if I wish it was closer to Halloween when I did get it done because I looked like Frankenstein yeah, so it's coming from below your ear kind of around yeah, your neck near yeah. like a necklace they literally pulled my neck up to my face Fuck <laughs> me. yeah um that was really really tough to deal with because I wasn't mentally ready to deal with cancer after being diagnosed with kidney disease after coming the other side of four spinal operations I really really just wanted to get on with my life I was going into my final year of college I was doing my thesis I had these big grand plans as every 20 something year old does Um, so my parents are like right we'll pull you out of college we'll just get you healthy again and I was like no you will not pull me out so even the doctor was like you know what she needs something to work towards and I did needed something to get me out of the bed in the morning so I I stayed at it had my um thyroid removed had some treatment and then that was in the September and the October I got my kidney removed and then November December January February March I kind of just stayed at home worked really fucking hard and did my thesis and came out of it and landed a job two days after I handed my thesis in in my dream job so I mean it's perseverance it's you have to have a do not feel sorry for yourself attitude which is fucking vital because there was days when I literally couldn't get out of the bed to wash myself I'm like how am I going to do this you have to be able to persevere through and I think a lot of what pushed me through was was um um comparison and I don't mean the negative type of comparison where we're judging ourselves off of Instagram models I mean you have to put yourself in other people's shoes and say right they're having a really bad time, but look what they're able to do. I'm having a really bad time, but I know if I change my mentality and look at it how they're looking at it, maybe I can do this really small thing too. Yeah. And it's also about personal reward. Like, I mean, something as small or as menial as being able to put on a pair of shoes and tie your laces might seem totally silly to somebody. But to me, it was like a mental checklist of things that I was now capable of doing by myself. And like, you build yourself up really slowly at a time. I mean, um, I had to even just like going on on walks like I could only take a few steps at a time like if you've ever had a general anesthetic they knock you out complete well obviously they knock you out hopefully (laughs) they do they knock you for six and they say for each anesthetic um you get it takes a year to come out of your system so in the last like two years I've I had four so you still feel the the effects of fatigue but yeah I took it day by day I went from like being able to walk up and down the stairs to walking up and down the street to running my first 10k a couple of months ago so it's all it really is all about um I, I suppose just mental headspace and having a good support system like my my family are just unbelievable yeah can I ask you do you find it difficult that's incredible <laughs> and like I'm, I don't know I don't really know what to say can I ask you do you find it hard to like right, let's just say we met today for the first time. Let's just say we're mates, and I'm I, I, I'm we an are a- mates. What are you talking about? We are mates. <laughs> let's just let's just say we're talking as mates, right? And then we um that was very sweet. And we uh <laughs> and uh, and I tell you that like oh man like things are really hard. Like I'm um I'm 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 an actor and I'm I'm like really tired. I'm doing like two shows a day. It's really tough. Like is is there a part of you that and I I'm sure you're a completely like lovely empathetic person, but it's just like fuck off. Oh my god, no, totally. I am. I can be a very heartless bitch and my friends my real friends who know me know that about me they would say you'd want to be having you'd want to have a limb hanging off to get sympathy from me but that's not the case I mean and it's, the, it's every yeah. it's every person for themselves and the thing is everybody deals with things differently yeah. and you have to give time to allow that as well I deal with them I deal with things more direct and more heads on because that's the type of personality I am. I have a very strong-willed personality, whereas somebody um, somebody who might not be as strong as me 
um, mentally might take an extra two or three years to get over what I have. But it's totally personal and you have to allow that time for a person. Now, in saying that, I fell out with my, my group of friends that I grew up with from primary to secondary college. I fell out with all of them the month I got diagnosed with cancer. And I think it was it was coming on because I felt that they couldn't understand what I was going through and vice versa. Maybe I didn't get what they were going through. Like they were, it was it was always just about very menial things to me, like who who they were going out to at the time or, you know, going out, getting drunk, whatever it might have been. And I just didn't connect with them the way that they didn't connect with me. And for that reason, we, we parted ways. And it's something that still really like upsets me um, to, to, to think that I lost friends over, over an illness. But you have to you have to be able to I don't know you have to surround yourself with people who are able to deal with it as well as you are as well but to answer your question I'm not a complete heartless bitch no I will have sympathy <laughs> you're a good my actor question. That, you're a good actor that makes it sound like my question was are you a heartless bitch which is actually number 27 <laughs> so uh, no but yeah it, uh, fuck man that's crazy like and, and in amongst all that like what about like so uh, coming out the other side of that like I don't know, like, all those menial things that your friends are going through now, like, do you, like, what am I trying to ask? Like, do you like to go out and, like, get drunk? Oh like, David, like, like well, what are boys, like, have you had, like, relationships? Because it sounds like that was a difficult oh, thing with everything that was, going on. That's a huge, huge issue. Well, first of all, I'm not a huge drinker. I'm, I'm really, um, yeah, I'm just really not into it. I had a few bad experiences when I was, like, 16, 17, as we all did. Mm. And I just, I was like, this is not for me. But also, I was on a lot of medication, and it yeah. didn't it didn't match with the drink no, it just fucking no, didn't no. and it destroyed me and I had a few nights where I like my parents allowed me to make the conscious decision that this was not for me and I'm t- I was totally okay with that and don't get me wrong I love in fact I'm sweating for a glass of wine tomorrow <laughs> I actually am but like I'll have one or two and I'll enjoy it and then that that's fine it's like my body kind of doesn't go to the I'm happy I'm drunk it just goes straight to get me to bed yeah. And, but I've learned that and I know to not try and keep up with everybody else and if it means that I have to stop at 11 in order to enjoy the rest of my night well then so fucking be it like I'm still going to enjoy myself yeah. do you know sorry what was a good question <laughs> I was also then being nosy and I was oh, asking no yeah, about like oh yeah boyfriends were a huge thing I mean uh, there was there was a boy when I was growing up um you were totally okay for time. Yeah, we've got a half an hour left. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was uh, I was in a really long relationship when I was uh, like fifteen, sixteen. Fell in love with a boy, mm. um, but like that was just teenage love, I guess. Um, but all of that intimate stuff was very difficult for for me because it's it. Well, I do have a disability, whether I like to admit it or not. Um, and it's hard explaining to somebody if you potentially like are planning to sleep with them. Oh, but I can't bend. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, laugh. It's fine. No, I, I was no, I, I was one hundred percent thinking that. That was the first thing I thought of when you were telling the story. Yeah, if I'm is, being honest. Uh, do be honest. Yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it's it was a tricky one, but um, I got out of all of relationships uh, prior to being diagnosed. Actually, prior to 2015. So. 2015 onwards, I was um, single and just enjoying catching up with myself more so and going on all the Tinder dates, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when out of the blue, um, I I met a boy. I met a boy. Mm. All right, Taylor Swift, calm down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, no, I, I met a, a guy through work and um, it was like, it wasn't anything romantic or anything like that. It was like, I just really needed a friend and that's exactly what he was. Um, he was like so incredibly supportive and 10 days later then I was diagnosed with cancer and like of course I had all the feely feels and it's like oh my god how am I going to tell this guy that I have cancer it was literally like something you couldn't script this shit honestly it was just I, I didn't know how to tell him so I I was diagnosed on a Monday and I I was actually meeting um uh, who was I meeting? Andrea Horan from Tropical Popical and um, uh, who else was I meeting? I can't. Do, I can't think. I, we were doing a project, a really cool project in Tropical Popical, on body confidence. Actually, I was being filmed, and I walked in, and I was kind of like, "Guys, I'm just after being diagnosed," and like, obviously, the mood changed. But then I was like, I'm just going to go outside and make a quick call. So I just called him. He was in work, and like, bear in mind, we literally knew each other ten days. Mm. And I was like, "Hey." I, I I gotta tell you something and I just kind of said it over the phone without thinking and I was like looking back on it now I'm like why did I even tell him over the phone but do you know what he could not have been more supportive 
him and my closest friend, honestly, the two of them, he, the day I was having my neck done, he came to the hospital with my parents who he had never met at seven o'clock in the morning and sat there for 13 hours while I was having surgery done with my parents in God, God, probably talking about God knows what, but to have somebody like that who's willing to do that for me, I was like, okay, that person needs to be in my life. And he's on, he's not even, I, I don't even see him as a boyfriend anymore. Honestly, he's completely and utterly just soulmate. He's just unbelievable to me. Whoa. He's just, like, it was honestly like, the angels dropped him from heaven. No, really though, he's just, I need really needed a support system when, when I, like, I hit my rock bottom back in September of 2015. And he was there to pick me up. I mean, he made me laugh when I really, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I asked all the doctors and nurses to take all of anything reflective out of my room after I had my neck done. Because I just felt like the ugliest bitch in the world. I really felt shit. And yet he was able to come in and just make me laugh and smile and forget that I had just had my neck over my face. <laughs> Whoa, that's so gorgeous. <laughs> Jesus, I'm welling up. That's, fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it was honestly, it's it's like li- literally what I said. Like when when the universe hears you, it sends something your way, and he was what I needed at that that time in my life, and he knows. Yeah, he's brilliant. That's unreal. Yeah. All right, we should go for another spin, <laughs> but that was so great. Uh, you see, well, you were doing so well. You got two really really quick succession, and then we just slowed it all down now. So I'm like, nah, fucker, she's not gonna win anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's not that lucky. <laughs> All right, thirteen. Speaking of luck. Oh my god, I actually thought I have thirty-one. That oh. would have been that would have been gas. That though. would have been weird. Uh, <laughs> all right, thirteen. Uh, the question is, what are your thoughts on twenty sixteen? Which is an interesting oh, question. Well, twenty sixteen was bollocks. No, it was really. Um, I was really proud of myself. The word proud comes to mind because I finished my thesis. As I said, handed my thesis in on the Tuesday and Friday. I had landed my dream job in. A magazine that I love doing fashion and doing all these cool things um, and do you know what it didn't give me time to think about anything that I'd just gone through it's like I literally I was so preoccupied with with doing well in college that I kind of had forgotten that I had even been sick so I started in this job straight away and I didn't even give myself time to think about what I was doing because my because like normally you know you take a couple of months off you go traveling do all the normal stuff but I, I just went straight into it head first and still there today absolutely loving it super challenging work uh, learning loads about like myself about what I want to do and uh, what I'm trying to do um but challenging comes to mind as well obviously um was there yeah. ever a point where you were just like fuck it I actually don't care like I don't care if I don't wake up from the surgery um no actually strangely I've never had that I only of course, like, I have my bad days all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, crying is healthy. Crying is a good thing. You cry. I'm a cry. You have to cry every now and then. I mean... Especially I, fucking not to be... I just can't believe all that stuff. Like, what <laughs> are you 22 or 23? 24 now. You're 24. Yeah. I'm 24 as well. So I have, I like, 22. such a bollocksy comparable life to... to no, but it's, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. Like, you can take it as it comes, but, I mean, I was... I was filled with so much I know I just really wanted to do well not only for myself and for my parents and then um last year my my brother then my brother passed away after after all that um yeah he he overdosed last year which was hugely hugely challenging Mm. um I don't even know where to begin with that that it was like I just started in the job and then two weeks later my brother arrives to the office. Now, I'd never even told my brother where, where I worked, as in, like, where the, our offices were. And I remember our, our office is completely open plan. And a small kitchen kind of separates. But other than that, like, it's, it's very communal, communal and lovely. Mm. And he just looked at me. And I, I thought it was my grandparents or my, my granny is still alive. And he just said, Matthew. And I just remember, like, screaming like I was un uncontrollable like whales I was just like the like why am I being tested so much it's like just one thing after another and it does really really tests your faith both uh, religious or not um and it just 
it's just a pile of crap. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, so my my brother Matthew um, was was a drug addict. Was he was the most perfect child, the most perfect boy, the mm-hmm. most beautiful boy, and he was sexually abused when he was thirteen up until he was in his late teens, and had never come to anybody about it until it was too late, until he had already got in with the wrong g- gangs, started taking tablets, started doing uh, class A's, injecting, until he eventually went into petty crime, hard crime, you name it, until he was incarcerated for between seven and ten years, um, in and out of the revolving door system of the the criminal system here, he didn't learn his lesson, kept doing it over and over. He didn't get the help that he should have got. He didn't get the support that he should have had, not from his family or friends, but from um, external services. And it eventually led to his death. And this is definitely a wider issue, which is why I'm so passionate about um, getting involved and supporting um, the likes of Tony Duffin from uh, and all the, the crew from Merchants Key, Anna Liffey, yeah. in trying to fight for... Um, safe injection clinics because I know had Matthew have had and he he said it to me had he had those clinics available to him it would have made it safer uh, would have made it safer for the public and also I think it would have given him a chance as well to see that he you know to maybe to help him get the services to to get him off drugs full stop um, Matthew was not a bad person by any means he made some wrong turns but it's just it's harrowing to know that a life was wasted so young when he could have had the care he needed but didn't yeah i'm so sorry that that (laughs) happened first of all yeah i mean it was interesting earlier when you said um we get to that you talked about faith Mm. and it was only you know you said that your faith was really tested of course Mm. it also struck me that you know um yeah, yeah i suppose i was interested in when you said we get to it later it it feels like on top of everything you mentioned already that like if that was not the straw that broke the camel's back holy fuck like what gets you through these crazy things and your parents and your family uh, my my per my per mom my per little mommy um i grew up in a very religious back background um i mean just regular i'll you know mass every sunday um say your prayers before you go into bed if i was sleeping in my grandparents house or whatever just regular Irish family, but yeah. my mom would have a really strong faith, and she took me to Lords when I was thirteen with um with her best friend and and her son who's my age as well, and this was just a week before I was diagnosed with scoliosis, so I didn't really understand why I was going, but I went to my mom because I was like, uh, free holiday, woo! But mm. I didn't know I was going to be going to St. Mass every fucking day for five days. Yeah, but it completely opened my eyes. Like I would have grown up also believing. And uh, even though it was, it was so long ago now, like it was, it was, it was a beautiful and horrible experience to see like all of the people who were literally on their last breath, like literally gasping for for help and hope from this mystical being, whatever it might be, um, and then like the, the, the grandeur and the money behind it as well is is a whole other thing. But anyway, we we came home and both me and Adam were both diagnosed with scoliosis on the same day. Now, bear in mind, scoliosis only happens to 2% of the entire population. So for two people who live on the same street to be diagnosed on the same week is just mysterious beyond words. Um, And even when we we say it to our doctors, because our doctors, we have um, a lot of the same doctors because it's such a, like it'd be a small field or whatever. And it's, they even find it baffling. But my mom always says to me that I was given somebody else's cross to hold that maybe somebody else wasn't as strong or wasn't able to hold all of it. And I kind of, like, I do believe that. And, like, my mom has a lot of faith, and I think she needs it. Yeah. But after what I've been through, I've just decided that I don't need to hold on to a religion. I have have beliefs in my own right. I'm very very science-based, and um, I really do believe in all of the science-y things. Um, But I definitely have no, no religion after that. And... Every now and then, like, I mean, I do, I do pray or meditate would be a better or like be mindful. Yeah. But I don't go to mass and I, um, like I wouldn't, 
like I, I even go as far as wouldn't go to like Christmas Day mass with my mom last year, which was which was hurtful for her. Um, I think as well, and I I don't mean for it to be like a personal personal thing on her, but I just choose to get by in other ways. I think. Yeah, and I mean, it was interesting, you know, when you were talking about the the community, you know, where you're from earlier, and just to drop back to that, I mean, I can completely see why you would feel the tightness of a community, especially mm-hmm. after all you've been through, which I didn't know at that point in time. Do you think that if you mentioned that, like, your brother hadn't you know talked about the fact that he was mm. abused do you think that that was a like was was there like this sh- i can only imagine the shame attached to that potentially yeah that he never got to let me tell you something though he so him and my mom and dad uh, matthew had had a different father at the time um but um they lived over in valley Fermit and um they decided to move to my estate because it was a private estate and it was seen as as better for Matthew's future, yeah. better schools, better everything. But that's where the abuse took place. The abuse took place in this private estate. And his abuser never even did time and still lives around the corner from my house. What? Still lives around there. And when the day that the day that Matthew died, I remember my brothers just wanting to just go and kill that man mm. and set fire to his house. And it took I think everything in their willpower not to go and not to commit murder for the sake of my brother. Yeah. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so baffling. Now don't now I would obviously that's no reflection of of my community or my estate because that's just pure evil what what he is. Yeah. And it's not a reflection of the amazing people that are in Dublin Seven. No. no. But it's everywhere. It doesn't matter what part of the city that you're in, good, bad, or indifferent. You find evil wherever you go. Yeah, I mean, like, it was in, like, fucking, um, just again, to be honest with you, it was in, it, when you talked about abuse, the first thing that comes into my head is the church. And then when you spoke about your mom, you know, being religious and being religious, mm, uh, you know, you start to draw, yeah. draw, draw these fake lines in your head. But I, I wonder, like, that must have been a, a, a difficult thing. That's It's a difficult thing for anybody to try to wrap their head around, like, the abuse that went on within mm. the church. But then, like, that must be a really difficult thing. I can only imagine. For your for your mom to try and be like this awful thing happened to exactly, her son, yeah. and then the the knowledge that like this institution that does amazing things for people, as you yeah. said, your mom needs a faith, and there's, she needs it, yeah. there's a lot of people that need faith, exactly. and then the the institution that in this country has given most people their faith has also taken so much away from so many. Exactly, yeah, like it's it's a catch twenty two um, for for people like my mom who really need to hold on to something, but know know the danger or just the the corruption that the Irish church has had on this country. And even now, like, she's she's pro-choice. She can't wait to, to vote. I mean, she voted for the marriage referendum. She's she's a normal, loving, caring woman who wants to better the world, but she needs to hold on to that religious part. But it must be so difficult for knowing. I mean, I remember when the, the incident about the tomb babies came out. My God, she was just, she was, like, in bits crying over it. And like, there's another one of those mother and baby homes just up the road from us as well, um. And like, it, it must be really hard for that older generation who, uh, who only know religion but know of all the scandals coming out now. Like, I can only imagine how hard it is for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How lighthearted. How lighthearted. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing that, that, that then we have a conversation. <laughs> it's like we just uh, spin the bingo machine. <laughs> like, okay, go on, go for it. It's so goofy. <laughs> it's such a pathetic thing. Right here we go. Number twenty. Do you have it? No, no, okay. go over it. Number 20 question is, what's your opinion on Dwayne The Rock Johnson? There oh my you go. God. Well, I like, grew up with The Rock. Yeah. Um, Do you like right. wrestling? Oh, wait. yeah, Me my too. God. Well, I'm, even though, like, I'm the only girl, so I was a bit of a tomboy growing up. Mm. But, um, can you smell what The Rock's He's cooking? cooking? Yeah, I mean, I have all those action figures at home. Yeah. Um, do I oh my favorite photo of him is the one in the turtleneck with the stud <laughs> earring. He's 15. Is he? Um, and he looks or, about oh my God, 27. Honestly, yeah, I'd still give him one, though. <laughs> He's huge. <laughs> no, he would lit. I'm, I'm not trying to be crude, but you have screws in you. He would break you. Literally. You couldn't do anything with him. I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> no, that was, I'm not trying to be crude no, before I, I go and be completely try. crude. Uh, <laughs> fuck, man, like, you could never have sex with Dwayne Rock Johnson. <laughs> ever. I ever. will try, damn it. 
even if, <laughs> even if you had your plaster on, even if you were within your plaster and there was just a little hole cut, you still couldn't. No, no, I'd need insurance. You'd need, you'd need so much insurance. No one would take that case. Um, but yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, like, not to compare Jesus, but like, um, another fellow, like, just when, I, when, you, when you were talking about, like, just the, like, inevitable struggle that came along with everything you spoke about and just, like, the discipline and the work needed to, mm-hmm. first of all, get through that in one piece. Uh, also then to, like, go and get a degree, get a job and be super successful. Like, oh. someone like him is just so, like, I don't know, there's an amazing discipline and drive to him. Obviously, he, I yeah. don't think he has anything difficult in his no, life as you have. No, but, but I mean, everybody has their drives. And, like, I don't think if I if I hadn't surrounded myself with people who I did in college, um, they know who they are. It wasn't even in college. It was, like, just at that time of my life who I was able to meet. Um, maybe I wouldn't be uh, as as driven as I am or maybe I would maybe maybe I would be driven I don't know but I'd I like to give them a shout out anyway um, people people are deadly yeah people are deadly I wonder what your life would have been like if, if all that shit didn't happen and you were just a 100% mm. I, and you know you're completely normal I mean you're probably a weirdo but do you know what I mean like if none of the the, <laughs> the crazy crazy things that you've talked about happened what yeah. how would that have changed you and like would you be as driven would you be as successful I don't know I, be I very different. I would be different it's definitely character building uh, put it that way I think I would be I would be doing something like show jumping for a living so horses were my complete passion and then when I was 13 obviously when all shit hit the fan they told me that I couldn't ride anymore which completely broke me but I was also in swimming gymnastics I was an Irish dancer for 13 years I uh literally everything like I am I am Monica from Friends I'm so fucking competitive I will beat you at everything. Um, You're losing at this game. (laughs) You are losing. I'm really competitive. It's like the worst thing about me. Um, So I was just really into everything. So I think had I not have had um, difficulties, I'd be doing something sports related. But that's also given me the the get-go to um, make myself better. Like I've turned to fitness Mm. big fucking time to push myself. And I firmly believe in um, like physical well-being to get your mental health in order um I started like weight training two years ago uh just just when I was actually getting really sick and I fully believe that that's what helped me get over the hump uh quicker and like not get any nasty infections on like that is because I was able to like build up my strength um and my body a bit better and make myself more resilient and like honestly people people laugh and joke about oh I don't want to hug you too hard might break you I am so strong for the size of me genuinely like I feel so much tougher and stronger and I feel like as well like for my own reasons god forbid I was ever attacked I'd be like able to fucking put that bitch down (laughs) that's amazing I'm intimidated (laughs) please don't be (laughs) let's not arm wrestle (laughs) Uh, right here we go number 26 do you have it Oh, no, okay. No worries, number 26. The question is, uh, what is your most treasured relationship with someone over the age of 65? Oh, it was my nanny, my mom's mom, Sadie, who passed away uh, four years ago now. Um, She was just a very old-school Dublin woman who, you know, cup of tea, glass of whiskey, bowl of stew, light the fire. Uh, But God love her, she had... um, she got very ill towards her later life, but never lost her laugh or her wit. She lost her sight though, um, and we ha- we decided to put her into like a care home, um, which we used to say, "Thank fucking Jesus, she lost her sight because she would have ran for the hills if she saw what she was surrounded by." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of like um, like older psych patients in there and stuff pretty tough to see but Mm. she just laughed her whole way until her last breath and I think that's maybe where I get it from um but oh god what a woman like she used to go around with these dark sunglasses on and um this big mob hat literally like she was about to like take out like AK-47s and just like shut the place down yeah she was such a wonderful woman so um I think I like to think that she is still somewhere with me yeah somewhere gorgeous mind your brother and everything yeah it's kind of yeah. nice it's kind of like it is like for all the, the the shit you could potentially talk about like religion and faith and anything like that uh, it absolutely is very no, comforting but you know when you're thing. like just you just get the heebie-jeebies every now and then you're like oh jesus somebody's walking over my grave i just i don't know i have like an ins- an instinct i'm not psychic meg but i just i feel the presence or you know when you can like 
you can feel somebody walking behind you. You know that that feeling? Yeah. I, I, I just, I get that every now and then or like something might happen. I'm like, oh, okay, they're, somebody's up there listening, yeah. or down there or around there. I don't know, up or down. Around the place, around yeah. Around the place, yeah. Hanging out. Right, we have time for one more. Let's, do you need, are you good? Good. Okay. <laughs> All right, last one. Here we go. Number 55, do you have it? No, no, shit. Oh, okay, no, you did pretty good. <laughs> we got we got distracted by amazing anecdotes. Uh, right, was it number 55? Yeah. Uh, do you consider... This is kind of... I'm interested. Do you consider yourself photogenic? I'm interested because of all the stuff you talked about, a body image uh, that we didn't get to get into. I, I don't... I wouldn't consider myself beautiful in the sense that of, like, Instagram model beautiful. Um, I have... I think I have my own distinct features that I'm still working and like learning to love as as much as I should. Um, I used to give myself a lot of hate. Uh, my body, like I used to just hate it a lot. I'm like, I need bigger boobs. I need a bigger bum. I need a smaller nose. I need nicer ears and all of these shy things. And now I'm like, fuck, I look great in that picture. I'm like, I'm going to not filter the shit out of that at all. Mm. Um, do you know what? Uh I think everything is beautiful in its own way. And I don't mean like every, I don't mean like Disney princess style, no, no. but I genuinely believe that anyone can take a, a beautiful picture, even if it's an inanimate object or taking a picture of a microphone. Like it's, it comes back to again, how you see it. Yeah, man. Like it's so interesting that you say that because, uh, and I mean, it's, uh, it, there, there's so many interesting things about this. It's like, first of all, uh, you know, you, talk about you were hard in your body and then your body was the thing that like pulled you through all this Literally. horrendous yeah. stuff. It's also so interesting what you're saying about, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. I used to have this awful thing. This is, this is, a, a, this is something I'm genuinely, awful, go on. It's, I'm quite ashamed <laughs> of it. It, it. I think it's very natural and I think uh, other people probably feel like it, but and I'm being honest about it. But I used to have a really bad thing where people who were overweight, like women, I, I would like just... I would, not, um, like, first of all, I would not be attracted to it at all. But I think I, 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 I would out. mainly like get, not be attracted, and I'd be like, out. never be, never ever like consider like, you know, being intimate or kissing, mm, sure. and, and you know, and that's not like that now at all. But that was completely me. It was completely my own image of myself, and I, I was a very heavy kid growing up, and I, I've always been quite body conscious as well, mm. which is kind of it's a different thing. When a guy says it, because it's one of them things that's kind of less talked about with men, but I think Definitely. there's actually massive issues about Huge. it. It's just there's massive issues about it as women, but there's also a, a, a great deal of awareness about it that isn't there for men. Mm. Really interesting. I think I had an awful lot of like my own body shame, and then you know would have projected that on a women, and now I think I'm in a much better place with it and like that for the first time, like not right now, but in the last two years for the first time, like oh, like you're like bigger than 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 the average person let's say but like that's beautiful you're 100% genuinely beautiful yeah. and like I can com- I'm like an attractive and it's well, really that, interesting that's really how- interesting because like I get skinny shamed a lot right I get told that I look like a boy I, I honestly I get skinny shamed so much I actually got horrible abuse on Twitter last year this year actually for saying to a a body a, a, she calls herself a body positivity blogger she's plus size and she put up this message, this lovely message, and was like, fat shaming is not okay. And I, like, re- like quoted it and was like, and skinny shaming isn't either. Just to add on to it, not to say that, you know, fat shaming is not an issue. It's a fucking huge issue, and it's wrong in all quarters. Mm. But she took it as if I was, like, taking the thunder from the fat shaming issue. When all I was saying is, no, skinny shaming is an actual thing and it has really affected me so don't do it mm-hmm. and oh my god all the fat shamers who were all plus size completely trolled me on twitter for the day it was unbelievable to see what happened when when i stood up for my side of the story and i totally get they're allowed to have their their say because they get it more than skinny people do sure but like if you call me a skinny bitch i'm going to fucking retaliate or if you call me or if you tell me i look like a boy i'm going to retaliate yeah. i was on weight gaining shakes i had to eat an extra thousand calories a day just to get to where i am right now mm. so i've been through that as well so it's it it's literally there's two sides to this yeah and I could actually debate about this all night. No, I know. And but, I know you've got to do the last question. But literally, everybody, no matter curvy, straight, small, tall, thin, wide, oblong, S-shaped, S-hooked, yeah. they're all beautiful. 
you have only one of them. Fucking love them. Yeah, you're right. Done. Here, here. You know, <laughs> you are right. I wouldn't fuck with you. <laughs> you may be petite. I still wouldn't fuck with you. Thank you so much for playing <laughs> personality bingo. Do you want to just give a tiny little quick plug to any bits and bobs online or uh, social media? Yeah, medias you or? can follow me at Neve underscore couple. That's N-I-A-M-H underscore C-U-P-L across Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow all the work I'm doing on Image Magazine there and all of the other little bits. And yeah, that's it. Daddy, thank you so much for playing personality thank bingo. You. Woo! So guys, that was Nevo Donahue playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. I said it was an incredible episode. I stand by it. What a fucking amazing episode. What an amazing person, Neve. Thank you so much for taking the time to do it. You're an absolute inspiration. And more than that, you're just a deadly person. It was so nice to hang out. Guys, in other news, uh, a massive thank you to, uh, as always, the producer, uh, the editor, the, the the brains behind Personality Bingo. It's Taz Kelleher. Uh, a huge thank you, Taz, for all the work that you do on the podcast. And also be sure to check out In the Shower with Taz and Marcus. It's their podcast. It's doing so well. I'm so delighted for the guys. And it's brilliant so go and have a listen to that guys other than that uh, thank you to Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for the wonderful team music a huge thank you to Connor Nolan for our deadly artwork and uh, above all thank you to Paddy and Alan and Sean and Laura and everyone uh, at Headstuff who hosts us it's um, such a great place to be and all the new podcasts that are joining every week it's so great to see Um, and guys of course a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it Um, taking the time to listen uh, to do it that makes it sound like you did the podcast but sometimes people play at home so I was just being super inclusive guys thank you so much for listening and tune back in next week when Rebecca Grimes plays personality bingo with Tom Moran This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.